Welcome to Valcast, the fan community podcast for Obsidian Entertainment's future RPG game titled Avowed. This is a podcast by fans, for fans. We're not affiliated or employed by Obsidian in any way. We have no inside track. We're fans just like you. Although we would gladly buy Obsidian employees a small air conditioner if they lived in Seattle this summer because they would need it and we're nice like that. Uh, my name is Sora. I'm your host each week. Bringing in a bunch of fans from around the world to talk about topics related to Avowed, Aora, or just games in general. Um, this week our topic is bestiary in video games. And we're going to kind of turn the focus to Aora. And we're going to talk near the end of the podcast about what we think we'll see in Avowed. And if Avowed is in the living lands, what kind of bestiary uh, might Obsidian create for that? Five years ago, you controlled the destiny of thousands of souls in sun and shadow. But the choice you make today shall define the fate of every living thing in Aora. Welcome, everybody, today to Avowedcast. We're going to talk about bestiaries today, uh, monsters and creatures of all types. Um, we're going to touch on a little bit of what we know from the lore and the history and the Pillars universe, the uh, Aora as we know it, and then maybe talk about some speculation about the living lands um, and what we'll see in Avowed. But before we do that, let's do a quick uh, rundown of who's here. Um, Gingerino, what have you been up to? Hey, man, not much. Just been packing up half of my house, getting ready to move out for a few months. Oh, yeah. that's right. You have a big summer trip thing. Yeah, I'm going to be off the grid for four months, God willing. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I've mainly been up to. I mean, video game wise, I uh, because I've been paying for Xbox uh, Game Pass, and by paying I mean I paid one dollar for the ultimate for three months. Wow! Uh, that's how you I do figured, it. yeah, man, I I'm really enjoying Game Pass. And when Outriders came out, I thought, you know what, this is a brand new game. Normally, be eighty bucks Canadian, and I only paid a buck for it. I'm gonna play it. So I, I've been I played Outriders. I did a full solo run through of that all the way. And you like it? It was really fun. Uh, I actually quite enjoyed the different classes. Like, I found myself bouncing around between the classes just to experiment and see what different powers they had. So I think they designed that really well, because I was enticed to go back and play. Um, however, once I got to the end game, it, it was real fun for a bit, but it got really old really quick, at least for me. Uh, I know a lot of people are going hard at that game nonstop. Lazar, what have you been playing? Well, uh, me and my girlfriend changed games. We are done with uh, with Inquisition. Ooh, and what really did you follow it up fun. with? Uh, you'll never guess. The Sims Four. It's uh, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a fresh thing for us, like because you know we just moved in together as well, so you know we uh. There are some some real life, uh, you know, consistencies in there, <laughs> uh, and yeah, we've been, uh, yeah, we've been enjoying this one as well. Although, you know, uh, I remember that there were some questions like a few minutes ago, a uh, few months ago, sorry, uh, <laughs> regarding if you know if if uh, the Sims series uh, can be considered a role playing game or not. I'm I'm pretty sure. Like after playing uh, a lot with my girlfriend, I'm pretty sure that it, it can be considered a role playing game because there are some really, uh, like, uh, there are some mechanics that are really similar, if not the same, as, uh, as in a role playing game. You know, of course, you don't have a sword in your hand and you can do magic, but, uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's the same basically the collection of, of managing systems. As, yeah. as a role well, and there are some expansions that have magic. I mean, they've they've definitely jumped and dabbled into alchemy and things like that. So there 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 are things like that. But it, I agree. I think it's definitely uh, it qualifies um, as a role playing game. I mean, the role playing gets the whole fantasy coat of paint most of the time. But I think it, it fits in that genre. I bet she is loving it. Oh yeah. Like, like we are, we are, we are. Of course, we're doing a, a, a botanist character, uh, a pro gardener. You know, I, I don't mind, but you know, like, uh, of course, it was her choice, right? 
<laughs> smart man, smart, smart man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how, all right. How, for... how, are you guys into the Dragon Age lore at all? Like, how did, did she react to the end uh, post credits reveal and all that? Uh, which what reveal? Ah, uh, man, I don't yeah. want to give away. No, uh, don't, don't. Spoilers. Oh, oh, you you mean you mean you mean the the probably what... special DLC. Probably is what you're thinking. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was a that was a big deal for you guys. I know me and a few of my friends lost oh. their minds at the end of Dragon Age Inquisition. Yeah, it's not oh, yeah, it's yeah, not the does. DLC. It's actually, the main game. Actually, it's the end of the main game. Actually, she uh uh like the you know the main villain basically is I I don't think that it's it's a big spoiler to say that the main villain is Corythius. Like you're. In the beginning of the game, it is established that it's, it's Corypheus. Yeah, well. And she was kind of... And, you know, she was... You know, that side of the story story that kind of left her a bit, you know, underwhelmed. But uh, but w- what you mean, if if if, if I, I'm, I'm sure what you mean, uh, got her very excited. <laughs> All right. And... Uh, and I, I was really uh, because we we played the DLCs as well, Trespasser as well, uh, and I, I, you know, I really enjoyed seeing all the kinds of uh, you know <clears throat> spectrums of excitement on her face and reveal and intrigue and stuff like that. Yeah, well, they have the. I mean, I, I think it's smart that you're switching uh, since you're you're kind of introducing her to all this stuff. It's smart that you're switching to a game like you've switched to as kind of a breather. Uh, but they did release a trailer for the new Dragon Age that has some callbacks that she might be familiar with, oh, yeah. um, which is a really pretty good trailer. Oh, yeah, definitely. I actually had it back from her uh, until she finished the right. game. Right. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So I'm excited about that one as, as well. Uh, yeah, par- me too. Parenthesis, what have you been playing? I've gone kind of back to my roots. I've been playing some uh, adventure games, more specifically Sherlock Holmes, Crimes and Punishment, which, as usual, is made by Frogwares, who have been making Sherlock Holmes adventure games for like 10 years or more. And it's um, I actually played the sequels first, and, and then I played this one, which I got somewhere in time uh, with all these bundles you lose track. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's an okay adventure game. Uh, but what's really interesting about it is the uh, affordances that it uh, it makes to allow you to play as Sherlock Holmes. Like uh, when you meet a new character, there's kind of a portrait button, and when you click on that, you go into a kind of Sherlock scan mode where you can click on, on certain highlighted parts of that person, so you can see, oh, this person has expensive clothing, but it has been repaired multiple times, so that person has probably fallen on hard times, and they have a light uh, ring on their finger so they are probably divorced and something like that and you can uh, and you stack it up and with all the things you find and you make clues which is presented in sort of a uh, Sherlock Holmes gray matter literally that's it's literally a representation of neurons where you have to sort of pick the right option or at least pick coherent options and then they flow into new options where you can pick another choice and then eventually you can get a solution to the case whether it's the right solution or not, that's another matter. But but it is certainly a uh, an interesting way of making a uh, kind of uh, one of these kind of games. The game is uh, an, an anthology, and as far as I can tell, the crimes are not uh, connected in any way. But it's a it's a decent cozy uh, mystery anthology, I think. Yeah, it's got. I mean, I, I looked it up. It's got some super uh, incredible ratings. It's very highly rated on Steam, nine out of ten. Uh, GameStop, four out of five. Uh, it looks like ninety-five percent on Google. So it's it's a popular title for sure. I haven't played it, but now that you've mentioned it, I want to go play it. Sounds really cool. You just have to expect that it's a game where it 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 is really a cozy because there may be a. Uh, they, the presentation sometimes falls a bit flat. When you start a new case, there's just a very simple and not very impressive kind of cover title, I would say. But it, it is so unimpressive that I, it takes a minute to recognize, oh, oh this this is the, the introduction to the new case. That's it. And then there's a small uh, cutscene, and, and then, well, the case is afoot. 
So it's it's a slower game, it's a more methodical game, and you just have to make make sense of that. Also, uh, I forgot to tell you, but it also has a sort of de literally detective vision where you go into it when you are, go around the environments where you can see things that only Sherlock would notice, or he can reconstruct events in his mind. Very cool. I love that mechanic. Yeah, that sounds like my kind of game you can just sink into and really just take your time and enjoy it. Um, I, however, switched after finishing Bolivian again for like the 10th time. Um, I uh, went for something lighter, went back to Immortals Phoenix Rising on the Xbox. Um, I dabbled on the Switch with it, but I'm playing it on the Xbox. I'm enjoying that. It's very simple. It's not a complicated game at all it's, it's basically it's basically what's uh breath of the wild light kind of that's what i've heard i actually i bought that game to play over the summer because i have my xbox and bring it with me and we get days off uh so like it, i'm just gonna plink away at it over the summer so i was actually curious to see what it's gonna be like because that's all i'm gonna have yeah, it's fun. It, it's a good it's a good time sink. I think that it's the kind of game if you're into exploration at all and you want to kind of and you like the, the mythology where they really kind of dive into Greek mythology. Um, it, it's good. I, I like I think it's it's you're going to enjoy it. I've also been kind of switching between that and going back to speaking of Game Pass, I decided to download uh, Dishonored 2 because I'm a huge Dishonored 1 fan. I played that like four times. Um, so I'm oh, yeah. really getting Sonic, into right. the second one. I'm, I'm enjoying it so far and just a, a series that it really appeals to me because it's, it's very different. It's did you that... know there's a tabletop role-playing version of that game as well? Uh, I did not. Is yeah, it released yeah. by the company that made the game? Uh, it's released by a, ga a game development studio called uh, Modifius. They're the same ones who've done... Uh, Star Trek official tabletop. Uh, the one, the Fallout tabletop role-playing game that just released is by Modifius as well. Yeah, they have all the Bethesda titles pretty much. They have a tabletop system created for them. That's kind of cool. Um, I would yeah. definitely love to dive into that at some point, someday. Um, it's all all official too, not like uh, fan-made or uh, unofficial stuff. Like they actually right. have the licensing and everything. So mm -hmm. yeah, definitely worth checking out if you're into the Dishonored series. I I love both of them. Very cool. Um, yeah, so that that's kind of what we're all up to. Thanks, you guys, for coming today to talk about uh, the bestiary. So just kind of a back backdrop of this. Um, just looking it up online, you can very quickly see that uh, bestiary, the, the definition of a bestiary kind of comes from medieval times and that they were these books where they would basically compile mythos. They would compile... Uh, creatures of real life with creatures of myth um, and uh, mostly a non-human in nature. Um, I think pretty much, especially from the older books from that period of time, all non-human creatures. Um, so when we're thinking of besti ooh, uh, bestiary today, <laughs> um, we're thinking about um, creatures in games that are non-human. This the reason bestiary is different, in my opinion, than monsters and just saying monsters or creatures. Well, creatures might be more general, but bestiary includes wildlife, I think, and things like squirrels. You know, it, it includes everything, it, all beasts within a game um, that are not part of uh, that are not humans or human in nature. Now, there is some argument as to whether um, demons constitute beasts. Um, I would probably say that, yeah. They're humanoid, um, but they're still beasts, so I think they could be included. Um, but that's kind of where we're working from, that definition. Um, and I was thinking back to, uh, again, just to start, like I always love to do, bashing on Skyrim, um, I want to kind of say one of my biggest complaints. And, and it's funny, I've played lots of games, as you guys have, where there's this real... Uh, huge world building, uh, the thought goes behind the monsters and everything. And um, I did some research and I found some stats that I thought were kind of revealing and we'll see what you think of these. So um, I was looking at different games that are popular and like how large the bestiary is and how diverse uh, the monster base is, uh, monster, there I go, creature base is in the game. 
Um, so the oh, Witcher, God. use the proper nomenclature. We I know beasts, not monsters. How dare you? <laughs> Witcher three um, had a total of 125. Now, Witcher three does something that a lot of them do, and they 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 divide them into like areas. So you have uh, the Elementa, the hybrids, the insectoids. Um, I uh, can't remember specters, vampires. So they had, and then beneath those, they had almost like um, divisions within that, right? Um, so yeah. 125 <laughs> is is a good bit. It's not a huge amount. And I was looking around for something that was maybe more than that. So I looked at Dark Souls, the original Dark Souls, just the first game. Um, anybody want to take a guess without Googling it, how many monsters of unique nature were in Dark Souls? 12. I don't know. 12. I have no That's idea. That's a good guess. <laughs> Any, anyone else? No? 57. Good guess. 141. So not 12. Mm. <laughs> 141 unique wow. creatures in the bestiary. How wow. old is that game, too? It's old, yeah. And I was I was uh, looking up, uh, you know, they, of course, expanded on that with, with the iterations beyond. Um, but then I thought of a game that I've been playing recently on the Switch, and I was thinking of Monster Hunter. Um, Monster Hunter takes it a step further, and they have uh, 227 unique monsters in Monster <laughs> Hunter, divided into large, small, and then subspecies. Um, and so it's, I mean, the, the name, I guess, insinuates what the game is about, right? I, so I would hope so. <laughs> we really want to have a lot of monsters in Monster Hunter. Right. So unique creatures again. Um, and then looking at pillars, pillars one and two, um, there were around 180 in the first game and an equal amount in the second game with some crossover. Um, and these are all creatures of different types. Now, this includes um, the same thing that happened in The Witcher and in many games where you have uh, the ogre and then you have sub species, sub, not subspecies, but divisions within that. Um, Variants. So, yeah. Right. So spiders, for example, you will have divisions of different spiders within that. So the, the 180 number includes all of those, not just spiders in general. Um, and that includes wildlife uh, in the game as well. So 180 is a pretty good number for one. And then the second one had about the same amount with some crossover. Actually, I think a pretty good bit of crossover, but there was also some unique to the sequel. Um, now, actually, let's go actually, back. Yeah, I... <laughs> go ahead. Sorry, I, uh, because I played Pillars of Eternity 2 as well, although... I stopped playing at a at a at a point where I encountered like a, a fatal point where the game crashes all the time. But anyways, it's not the point. I haven't really encountered too many uh, like different beasts from or you know entries of Beachery from the the first game. Actually, I, I don't know how many there are. But I, you well, know, I, yeah, I, I was looking it up and I counted them by hand. And so I found about 180. Now, this includes, obviously, like I said, you know, things, everything from uh, um, an antelope <laughs> to uh, a bear to um, shadows to, uh, I mean, just just everything you can possibly think of. Um and that, that's a good, good, good point as to how many do you actually encounter. And do you, that's why I think that number is a little bit shocking. And I would agree with you there. And that if you played through the game, I would never have said that number was that high. Um, mm. Now, looking at the 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 beast of Skyrim, um, what's what's interesting about that game, and I noticed this while playing it, and I'm sure you know what I'm going to say, is that I can pretty much count the number on two hands. <laughs> yeah you have uh, and i'll probably mispronounce this but the charis giants daedra dragons the farmer the spiders skeletons trolls wisps uh hagravens i mispronounced that spriggans shades 
And then you have various wildlife like bears, cats, wolves, skeever, crabs. Mm -hmm. But looking back at all the iterations, not just Skyrim in general, which was probably the most limited of all of them, I believe Morwen had the most, um, all of them, and you put all of them in a bucket. This is every game all the way, Red Guard, you know, all of those games. 85, including <laughs> all of the wildlife, 85. So the reason I bring this up about bestiaries and games is the first question I wanted to present to you guys was really, is, I guess the question is for me, um, is it better to have a more eco-realistic bestiary that kind of makes sense to the world and the environment with fewer creatures? Or is it better to have more diverse, expansive bestiary with surprises around every corner? Anybody want to throw in on that one? Yeah, uh, definitely. I, I actually was thinking about this a little, just a little bit before the podcast, about the difference between Skyrim specifically and Pillars of Eternity. I have in my hands right now the Skyrim, what is it, the game guide, I guess? And I went through the right. bestiary. Yeah, it's super limited. And when you even when you read the bestiary entries, there's a huge difference there, but we can talk about that later. I think the difference between the two games, it's not so much a better versus worse thing. I think it's just a difference in how you want to present the game. Because like I think of like even Dungeons and Dragons, how uh, I play that game with friends, and even though there are lots and lots and lots of creatures, you really don't experience a lot of variety. At least I find in a lot of at sessions that I play. I think it's just because the game masters that I've had, they're not trying to present this super compelling world. They're just trying to present an encounter. I think Skyrim is trying, or Elder Scrolls, I guess in general. They're a little more focused on just providing that combat encounter and not giving you that huge variety of ecosystem. Whereas I think Obsidian, when they make a game, they really focus on selling you a world over an encounter. Interesting take. Anyone else have thoughts? Do you want that realistic limited or do you want... Oh, I want uh, it realistic. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Right, right. Uh, but I guess just a difference in philosophy on presenting your game. My, my take on it is that uh, I'm actually okay if it's more... I have a hybrid take, and that is that I'd like it to be more ecologically uh, sense-making. But with a few surprises now, again, if you go down to the bottom of a cave, I'm fine with the demon being trapped there. But the, the thing is that when I think back of my experience in role-playing games, I mostly think about all the uh, uh, the humanoid or kith people I've left dead in my dead in my wake because that, in my memory, is is the, the most it's the creature that I've killed the most of is people, because those are the people that are, are sapient and can have you know conflicts with you. Beasts they just attack you if they're hungry or threatened. But these are the people that actually make an impact because you, you, they either have something you want or you have something they want. Right. That totally makes sense. Yeah, those are the those also for me tend to be the most memorable uh, encounters as well. I agree, and I'm wondering if that is because, like you said at the very end, like that there's this exchange. There's this. I don't. I don't know if relationship is too broad a word. Um, that doesn't exist with a frost spider, for example, <laughs> is would would that be making it too simple? Yeah, you know? no, it's it's fine. It's I mean, there are conflicts of there's a material conflict and there's an ideological conflict that doesn't happen as much as with with non sapient creatures. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, now, Lazar, you had you had a comment. What were you going to say? Yeah. Yeah, me uh, personally, I just like variety a lot. Uh, not only in this theory, but you know, like you know, kind of like you know, the more opportunities the game presents uh, for me, the better. Uh, you know, not just this theory, but you know, whatever armor skills, stuff like that, because you know, it, it keeps it keeps the gameplay dynamic, and uh, with, with beasts as just to write on parentheses uh, uh, statement, uh, with, with Beast, uh, it's kind of just the first encounter 
uh, of its kind that that is remarkable or that you remember. And then from then on, it's just it just gets kind of repetitive. So I think that you know the more uh, kinds of encounter, the, the more different kinds of monsters or beasts you encounter, the 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 deeper, the more profound your experience will be, probably. But you know, it's just my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I I I, I lean in on the diverse side myself. <clears throat> when I was playing Skyrim, for example, or pretty much any Elder Scrolls game, <clears throat> it hits you after playing a little bit that it's more of the same. Um, same old, same old, and which is fine. And yes, um, this spider's a little bit bigger, maybe has a little more fur, but that's about it. And there's nothing really truly surprising about it. And I think even in literature or pretty much anything, one of the the, the best things to do to someone who's a reader or a viewer or whatever is to refresh that energy that they get when they first jump into that, that pool of lore or whatever it is and to, and to let them know, Hey, you think, you know, everything, but you didn't know about this. And when that happens for me, um, I, I love that. I, I, I love dipping into a region uh, that I haven't explored before and wondering and, cre and creating that wonder in me as a gamer and, ma and making me challenge myself and like, Oh crud, do I want to go in that cave? I mean, I wonder what could be in there. Um, whereas in mm -hmm. a game like Skyrim, I know what's in the cave. I mean, <laughs> come on. It's in every other cave in the game. <laughs> it's a it's a death guard, but level 20. That's all. <laughs> right. Yeah. It leveled up with me. Yay. I mean, <laughs> it's it's frustrating. It's frustrating. And as much again, as I love those games, because I just went back and played Oblivion. So I obviously love them, but it's so disappointing for me and it feels like I understand because I did, I have seen interviews with uh, them, uh, Todd Howard specifically talking about how they have wanted with each iteration of that franchise to stay true to the core of what it was created. So they're not going to create a, um, this crazy mythical beast because they've already created the world. They already know what exists in the world. They've already done that. Yeah, there might be a different kind of spider, but they're not going to, they want it to be real. They want it, you want you to, they, they use the word immersion and that how can you really become immersed in something if, if we throw this um, four-legged ball thing that doesn't make any sense? I mean, why would I do that? Because then you're going to be taken out of it. This is their argument. You're going to be taken out of the experience and you're going to be like, okay, this is just, doesn't make sense. This would not exist in this icy landscape, you know, what, you know, and, and to a certain extent, I get that argument, but I think it's too limiting. I think that argument is used in defense and not in design. I think it's just that they didn't think outside the box. I don't know. I really, uh, that point you made earlier about having wonder when you walk into a new dungeon and they're like hyping you up for the boss at the end. Like, and I really considered it, but yeah, I remember playing Skyrim and that same thing happening where they're like, oh, there's an ancient evil at the bottom of this dungeon. You will not be able to defeat it. And in my head, I'm like, I've seen every bad guy in this game. I'm pretty sure there's nothing new down there. And there never was. Versus playing Pillars, there's a few times where I'm like, if I turn this corner, I don't know what I'm going to see. And I feel like I've seen a lot in this game already. And it did surprise me at times. So like, that's actually a really good point that you bring up because I really didn't mind the bestiary bestiary in skyrim at all i actually i i know it wasn't super varietized but i mean i wasn't playing it for the immersion of the the world i was just liked exploring and doing the quests and having fun with what was there not saying no one here did i just yeah i never really noticed that difference before until you pointed it out yeah and i would agree i i agree with you about pillars and that i definitely was more on the edge of my seat playing pillars one and two, I guess maybe more in pillars one, but it just where I would explore and I would be like, I have no idea what they're going to throw at me. Um, in some cases now I won't say that it's as diverse as I would like it to be. I really feel, and, but I understand, I mean, there's this whole other argument to creating a diverse bestiary. And that other argument is a technical one. And that, 
okay, you want us to create this other species? Great. That's going to require so many man hours. We're going to have to think about how that creature moves. We're going to have to think about, you know, if we really want to do a world building, what does that creature eat? Um, Mm -hmm. Does it live in packs? You're talking about adding on a lot of money, basically, in development. Appropriate level, appropriateness too, right? Because if for a game like pillars it makes sense to have a lot of variety because it's a lot it's almost like a puzzle game when it comes to the combat in pillars right like you have to have all these varieties so that each combat feels a little bit more unique whereas something like skyrim it's a little more exploration focused you can expend that energy elsewhere in the game development it's not as necessary although of course it's manpower and hours and um, you know a lot of planning a lot of new assets but at the end of the day, that's their job, isn't it? You know, so so, so you know, to a certain extent, you can you can make this uh, this alibi, so to say. But um, you know, it's true. But would what you was rather, your job again? Like, yeah, but like, if they were going to take the time to develop, so let's say, a new subspecies of bad guy in the game, would you rather have that new variant of creature? Or would you rather them improve some of the leveling mechanics or combat mechanics for the game, especially in something like Avowed, which looks like it's going to be first person, right? I mean, you know, of course, if you if you put it like that. Um, <laughs> well, I did it did it on it, purpose. I, I apologize. Yeah. I'm sorry, that wasn't really fair. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. Well, if but you look, you're right. It, yeah, and if you look back, one of the interesting things is um, I took a look back at Pillars One um, Kickstarter. Uh, and they did this, I believe with, with, they did it with pillars too, too, but the, um, where, what are they called? Stretch goals where if they reached a certain amount of donations, they would include certain things. And I'm pretty sure now I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure in pillars two, one of the stretch goals was, um, uh, wasn't it like, uh, ocean, creatures like ocean big ocean monsters increasing the amount of yeah and so they didn't reach that and so we you get what you get um i mean and then of course with expansions they do add a little bit but it kind of goes back to that argument and that in the real world everything's tied to money right you got to buy your groceries you you have a job your company's got to be prosperous and you can't go too much into this this fantasy um so i don't know it's it's a balance um it's a difficult balance parenthesis i'm curious what do you like in a game as far as the bestiary do you feel like pillars met met your needs completely oh yes uh it was um it was fully satisfactory. My only my only point is that I noticed that there is a, at least for me, distinct focus on the undead, and that's understandable because a lot of uh, pillars, uh, well, history and, and metaphysics, and even even the stories of both games focuses on souls. So the undead are going to crop up even more than usual in in fantasy stories. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you have um, your vessels is what they called them, right? Um, spirits, even some of the primordials, I guess. Um, but yeah, you have you have all all of these things. You're you're right. I had never really thought about it. The balance does kind of tip in in that way. Um, so that would be very interesting as far as conquering this or encountering this new continent if that's if we're assuming that living lands is where it is going to take place unless they throw us a curveball um you know that it's kind of you know well it is kind of unexplored and and their thought is it has a pretty diverse ecosystem um which would allow for uh that kind of diverse development of a bestiary uh, but tailoring it back to what parenthesis was saying i'm curious um as for what you guys thought in your encounters in pillars one and two, was there any in particular that stood out to you as far as the development of that beast of that creature Uh, and specifically not just the way they look or how menacing they are, um, but their difficulty and possibly their intelligence. 
definitely dragons. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how many other in how many other uh, made up worlds, uh, you know, fantasy lore. Um, is it prominent that a dragon does not start out as a dragon, but instead, you know, first a worm and then a drake? You know, when when they get they get wings and then a dragon, and then uh, and then you know the level of intelligence as well uh, that they possess is also, I think, definitely if if you if you are throwing it out there, uh, and we have to compare. Uh, the two the two games about and uh, Skyrim, then you know it's definitely something that uh, or you know the world of Eora and the world of Elder Scrolls, then it it you, you know dragons being so intelligent and having a kind of a personality character to them, having basically uh, life as in you know. Uh, like they have a goal in their lives, uh, you know, they they might be greedy, they might be generous, stuff like that. That's something that, uh, uh, you know, Peter's of Eternity was the first time that I encountered something like this within you know, the the basic heraldic concepts of dragon. My biggest um, upset was, and that was a positive one, was the ogres. Uh, which, uh, at least in the bestiary, uh, and also a bit in the games, are presented as an actually above uh, average kith intelligence beings, but who, due to rage issues, are unable to form large uh, societies. And that is one of the reasons why they are not the dominant force in the aura. This, might, this is not totally brought about in the game in itself, but it's an actually it's an interesting part of the background law. It's sort of like what if humans were born without opposable thumbs? Well, then we're not going to get uh, much in the way of technology. Presumably, we're not going to become big tool users because that's a fucking useful thing to have in in two of on your hands. So I thought that was a very interesting twist on unusually dumb and brutish uh, class of beings. Yeah, I mean, injecting that that type of intelligence and that, uh, well, uh, personality, if you want to stretch it a little bit. But I agree totally, and that I, and that part of me feels like if you're going to trade off uh, variety, that's where the trade off happens, and that you create a bestiary that includes creatures that are sentient, intelligent think for themselves. I mean, not, not just the dragons and, and yeah, the dragons are, are, are very smart and have personality, but um, in a way I would also love to see, and I don't know that I really remember that, that, that we can do this in pillars, but as in D and D, when you play, you have the ability, if you speak the language of a goblin, you could certainly try to reason with them and you could, and it, you know, goblin may not be the best example as far as intelligence goes, but I think you see my point in that does every encounter with a bestiary need to be dun to dun the music picks up dun-dum 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 dun draw my sword okay here we go everybody's kind of moving quicker let's shoot some fireballs does it always have to be that way can we have this variant that really expands on the ai of the creatures and allows you to reason with them would you like to see something like that? Definitely. And uh, I mean, that is primed in the game because they have the category of wilders, which, you know, they aren't kids, but they are usually beings you can at least almost reason with. We'll probably come back to a few of them, but but they, they are a, a category of outcasts, uh, beings that haven't quite made it into the category of kids for one or another reason. Right, that included things like trolls. I think the ogres you mentioned. Um, what were some other ones in in that category? Wolves, Withrakes, Withrak, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's definitely that's yeah. definitely a good point. And anyone else, your thoughts on uh, bestiary intelligence? Yeah, definitely, I mean, like we were just talking about now about being able to interact with them. I remember, I can't remember exactly where, but 
Uh, Pillars of Eternity 2, when you're investigating the island where all these people were killed by a bunch of those Naga creatures, which are kind of like uh, snake lizard things, and you get to the end and you actually have a chance to talk to these creatures, which, you know, up until then have just been cannon fodder for your party. And right. You actually get to discuss with them what's going on. It's like, that was a nice that was a nice change of pace. And that happens with Vithrax as well. I love Vithrax. I find them actually absolutely uh, super interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, agree. I think I think it, it pillars the games. They lend themselves to that, right? I mean, because of the of the way the games are played, it is a it is it is. I hate to say it this way, but it is text based. So you have a lot of exposition. You have a lot of choices that you make in a menu system um, that will then reverberate and affect how people react, which allows you to take different branchings to different stories. Instead of fighting them, you then speak with them. And because you speak with them, you, you know, you're, you're able to reason with them. Now that transferred into a game, like maybe like a, a, a Skyrim or an avowed, I, I would love to see it, but I'm not sure that I know any game that's done it. Can somebody prove me wrong that has taken the, the, the 3d third person, uh, I mean, first person perspective um, and allowed you to roll uh, charisma to see if you can persuade <laughs> them not to attack. Can you think uh, of one? First one that comes to mind for me, actually, it's funny because Obsidian did this, was Fallout New Vegas. You have an entire, there's a location where there's super mutants and the night stock, what are they called? Nightkin? Uh, the blue ones. Uh, anyways, they're all peaceful up there, theoretically. You can actually go and talk to them. Um, other than that, there's the mechanic where you can get one of the perks that allow you to charm the animal to stop from attacking you, if it's a completely wild animal. But Fallout's the first one that comes to my mind, especially New Vegas, which was made by Obsidian, so go figure. Yeah. Anyone else? Any think of a game where you, you, you're able to do something other than, than combat that is not a... Um isometric design has anyone played greedfall i have played greedfall um yeah i'm trying because, to think because because i haven't <laughs> and uh you know the, the other day i i saw the the gameplay trailer and it and it they really sold the game as as this classical fantasy thing of course with some twists where you have all the all the you know decision making and you know not just you, you can not only go on the on the aggressive route but you know you stealth and do pacifist later and stuff like that. Greedfall, yeah, it takes kind of the uh, it's kind of what Baldur's Gate is doing, where it takes the best of both worlds. I think, and even though Baldur's Gate is kind of that is not first person, but allowing you to go through those branches by talking to people and making choices. So Greedfall does do that um, to a certain extent, um, probably more of an expository trying to an exposition, trying to add more detail to the story and less about convincing someone not to kill you. But um, I don't know. It's just an interesting thought. I don't want to belabor it too long. So can we kind of shift a little bit? Let's talk about what we know about Pillars and what we expect to see in Avowed. Does anybody have any thoughts about the bestiary we're going to see in Avowed? Do you feel like it's going to be more of the same, same old, same old um, in the Living Lands, if that's where it's going to be? Or do you think we might get some surprises? Uh I think that it's gonna, there will definitely, because, you know, the ecosystem in the living land is supposed to be something very different and very dynamic. Uh, I think that there will definitely be a part of the map or, you know, certain areas where it's gonna be similar to what we've seen so far. But I also think uh, that since there will be arguably new ecosystems introduced, there definitely will be a big expansion on, on the theory, I think. So if it is going to be played in the Living Lands, which is far from confirmed, then there's kind of a precedent set by them already in the lore to create a lot of different 
uh, creatures, a lot of a lot of different things to face out there in the wild because a lot of stuff is apparently not seen anywhere else in the world of Aeora. So they would kind of have to. As a result, especially considering they're going to be playing a first-person game, I would I would expect in a first-person game versus something that's isometric like uh, Pillars, that there would be less of a bestiary in a first-person game because that's not so much the focus. But with them having to do that because of the lore they set for themselves, I think they might have a wide variety of creatures, but less variance of each creature. You know, I, I, I could see that happening from a realistic perspective of what it is they have to develop, especially since they have to kind of tier a game towards the Series S as well as the Series X. Good point. Good point. Um, anyone else have any thoughts about what you, you think we'll see in, uh, in Avowed? I'd say undead. Lots and lots of undead. <laughs> well, I mean, the trailer, it, yeah. Yeah. And also, I think they are cheaper to make than, uh, than uh, you know, more extravagant things. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that I would. I mean, do we, do you think we're going to see like enormous beasts? Do you think there'll be a lot of those boss battles? Do you think there'll be, uh, or more maybe, I don't know. I think with, when you switch perspective, uh, the 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 size of the creature makes a difference. And I would expect that we will probably see not just giants, but things that are from the first person perspective that are a little more daunting. Does that make any sense? I mean, they don't really. It doesn't seem to me like Obsidian cares so much about making big beasts for big beast's sake. Like even. In any of the other games they developed, at least nothing's coming to mind. They probably will have at least some mega bosses. You know, obviously they'll have dragons, maybe some unique creature at the bottom of some ancient dungeon. But I think they're pretty okay with just keeping things within a certain range and making those the smaller or medium or large creatures more interesting. All right, so I want to I want to shift. Uh, we've talked about just a real broad brushstroke of of the pillars bestiary which is which is pretty significant you know it's it's very good it's better than something you would see in a skyrim um could use maybe some expansion when we move to avowed we all agree with that um we've talked about kind of the difference between really realistic approach to world building and um the more crazy approaches and that pillars probably is going to lean more towards the realistic side of it you're not going to see a fire sprite uh, on a snowy mountain um, kind of deal. Um, but uh, pretty excited about some of the stuff that we are going to see in the game. I did want to shift uh, today right now to some of our email uh, questions, which I think are pretty interesting. We, we've gotten quite a few this over since we are last recorded. Um, so I have farmed through them and found three that I liked, and I wanted to get you guys to comment on them. Um, one is uh, one of our listeners named Ben H. Uh, ben wrote in and said, and I quote, looking ahead to the Avowed franchise, including uh, certain, almost certain iterations of Avowed 2 and Avowed 3, do you think Obsidian will allow us to bring in our characters from previous games, or do you think that Avowed will let us marry, have children, and then be able to play those children as adults in the sequel? Huh. Okay. Very cool. <laughs> I I could see them going either way. I don't know how we how we could speculate if there would even be an avowed two necessarily, right? Like I could see there being a second game in the world, but will it follow the same storyline or setting? I don't know. Um, but I with mean, the cycle of reincarnation in Eora, there's definitely precedent to continue that that's way. what i was thinking when i read this the whole idea of souls and the re you know reiteration the reincarnation that might be a possibility of a way for them to answer his specific question um i think the concept though is pretty genius i hadn't really thought about it till i read it this question really stood out to me because the concept of potentially choosing a mate in the game that you're in someone you're going to marry and have a child with having that be a strategic choice, knowing that cool. your child will be a combination of the traits of the two. Um, and this would be maybe a creative way to guide multi-class, right? Multi-class a future character by doing that. And then even the character faults might go along with the child. I don't know of any game that's done that. There may be, there's probably, I, I know, I know one. Okay. 
Massive Chalice. Uh, that's a basically fantasy XCOM. Yeah, you one of the particular things to do is you need to appoint bloodlines. You need to appoint regents and their reg and their spouse, and then they need to make babies, which you use as a resource to make other regents or or <laughs> fighters or science or basically scientists. And that's how you do it. You need to keep the bloodline flowing. You need to ensure that the right number of traits gets passed on. It's it's fantasy eugenics, uh, and it's a far more prominent feature than any of the Crusader games. Uh, Crusader Kings games, which also had that uh, strategy. <laughs> I love that babies and then resources slow That's shortly awesome. after that. <laughs> I mean, I leave it to parentheses to come up with a game I've never heard of that is highly rated as I look it up right now. I can't believe I missed this game and it sounds fantastic. And I love that it is incorporating just what Ben said. So Ben, if you're listening... Go play Massive Chalice. It sounds pretty, sounds like it might be right up your alley. Um, we have an next email. This one's from Vin10-19, um, yeah. who writes in and says, please tell Obsidian to take pets to the next level. Yes, it is fun to have cute little animals following us around in pillars, but I want to be able to tame animals and beasts, level them up and use them in battle. I guess it was more of a statement than a question, but... It's interesting. Anybody have thoughts on that? I want to be the very best. <laughs> <laughs> just be a ranger. There. Now you can have oh a, my a pet. God. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, well, it would be really cool for anyone to have an animal companion. Obviously, it's got to be less robust than a ranger companion because that would just be what's the point then? Right. Rangers I mean, already have it bad enough. Now, if everyone can have the cool thing they have, then. I mean, I think it's a good point. I mean, really, they, all their decoration and pillars. I mean, you do have pets. They are, you can have little cute little things following you around. But I, I mean, it's really just a decoration. There's really no way to do it like they do in like Warcraft, where you have a class where you, I mean, it's heavily integrated into the development of the game that this is part of your battle strategy. And I mean, I, I like it. I like the idea of them pushing this more and about. I know they they already have it in pillars. It is there, but pushing it another step. I think that would be To be fair, if they let you have pet, pets as battle ready, then that means you also got to be okay with little little babe the pig dying as well. True. True. Maybe give us the option to turn it on or off cuz I kind of liked my little decorative pet running around. I had the pet spider and it was nice not having to worry about him, but I also liked watching him skitter across my screen. True. <laughs> I mean, if 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 there will be if there will be a companion system, then you know it's it's completely possible that uh, some of those companions might be might be pets. Or maybe at least yeah, give him dialogue in battle. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. I think you're right, though. They have to choose a path. I think you can't have the cute little thing and then also have the wolf that you raise from a cub that becomes your, you know, effectively your your part of your weaponry. Um, so, yeah, I think you can't. I mean, I guess you could have it, but I, I don't see Obsidian doing something like that. I also don't see Obsidian pulling, and I could be wrong again. I just don't see them pulling the... Uh, uh, what do you call that? Where you try to make money long after the game by introduce Warcraft does it all the time uh, with pets that you can pay $25 and you get the cute little pig pet. You know, I don't, that's not obsidian <laughs> to me. That doesn't seem like something they would do. Um, I just thought of loot crates and then I thought of pets inside of loot crates. And then I thought, is Sora telling us we should put small animals in boxes and sell them? at random chance <laughs> right uh, right you just randomly roll right well they have those in um eso and elder scrolls online right i mean the the whole loot crate concept they dove into that for a little bit that's cruelty to animals how dare they i know um okay last question is from uh i stand alone uh alone spelled al zero n three i like that um, I stand alone asks, uh, would you like to see fishing heavily incorporated in avowed? Yes. No. Ah, yes. okay. For, defend yourself, Francis. Well, I mean, this is a game about 
presumably it's an epic fantasy game. If you want, if they're going to include a fishing system, then I would like it to have a tie with the main themes of, of the story. Otherwise, I, I, I don't think, I don't think that it's material to the kind of genre it is and the develop and it will just result in taking resources away from other features or be half baked. <laughs> a, a good defense. And, and I almost say, I agree with you. I feel like you choose the type of game you want to be. I feel like if you try to be everything to everyone, there definitely can be, uh, you can lose out on the bigger picture and that maybe that's something that is a DLC or I don't know that you integrate later, but even when you inject it into the system, like parenthesis says you are, then again, almost partially discrediting what the game is all about and, and diluting this, this, I mean, I guess, I mean, but I can see his, I, his or her, it doesn't say, but I can see their argument um, that, uh, that maybe if I was going to be a devil's advocate, fishing could be more incorporated into the crafting and that, um, as it, you know, developing recipes and kind of like you've seen in all the other games where you, you, you forage for plants, well, you forage for fish, right? And the fish then in turn can be used to uh, increase abilities or give you potions or things like that. Um, no, know. just cosmetic, just just nothing. No boon, no benefit, just fishing for fishing's sake. No, I'm not interested in that either. <laughs> I'll go get it. I'll go play Animal Crossing. I mean, I'm, I'm okay. I don't need... I don't need uh, avowed the Animal Crossing DLC. No thanks. But admit it, admit it, you would buy it. Oh my god! Don't put me in that situation. <laughs> I probably would. Yeah, we all would. We're all we're all right here in the same boat. It's but okay. I really would say the percentage of that is very low. Uh, so <laughs> I stand alone. I hate to tell you this, but I really don't think we're going to see it. Um, uh, especially if it's incorporated, they're going to take it seriously. I don't see them doing a, a superficial type fishing game inside of the game. That's just not the kind of company they are. Um, well, those are the emails for this week. Really good. Thanks. If you want to send us more emails, guys, please do. We, we again, we only record like a couple of episodes a month. Um, and with all the emails you've sent in, I, I you know, I do the best I can to pick ones that we haven't talked about before. So if I missed your email and we didn't read it, I apologize for that. But please email us, uh, validcast at gmail.com. Uh, I love getting your feedback, um, especially the positive feedback. Um, so the one person who wrote that email, thank you. Um, that's it for today. I don't have anything else. That's that's our episode today. Thanks for listening. Um, anybody want to do a shout out as to where they can be found uh, outside of uh, Valdcast. Uh, well, my podcast, this is Gingerino talking, by the way, uh, is going to be up and running over the summer. I recorded and edited like a madman to get stuff in preparation for me going off the grid for a while. So I got enough for up to the end of June. So if you're interested in the lore of Aora, you can listen to that podcast, World of Aora, and that'll be up and running for at least a couple months. We'll see if I can get anything else while I'm out there, but the quality has not well, gone down, man. I've been listening, so you're 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 knocking it out of the park. So if you're at all interested in the lore or the world of Aora, Gingerino's got it going on. It's it's amazing. Nice job. Oh, you're making me blush. Yay! Anyone else? Shout out where where they can find you. And dead silence. <laughs> they don't want to be found. Anyway, Avowedcast <laughs> is on Twitter, at Avowedcast, and we also have the website, Avowedcast.com. Thank you guys for listening this week. We'll be back in a couple more weeks with another episode. Um, and keep playing games. No pet Nemnok does not like. I said no pet Nemnok. Stupid farmer. Teach you to pet Nemnok, huh? I'd like to end the podcast today with a special tribute to Justin Bell. Uh, Justin Bell was the chief composer on all of the Pillars of Eternity games, did the music for The Outer Worlds, Grounded, many other uh, products at Obsidian. Recently announced on Twitter through his Twitter account, at Sonic Presence, that he is leaving. 
Obsidian. He will no longer be doing music for Obsidian Games. This includes music for Avowed, unfortunately. Um, we have no idea who's going to replace him or, or how the music is going to change for that game, but we wanted to wish Justin well. Um, great guy, always very uh, eager to work with fans. He's taken on a new job um, with Sony uh, as the supervising sound designer at PlayStation Studios. That's a pretty big leap for him, a uh, great job get for him, and I, we hope he's happy. And we'll end today with another one of his fabulous orchestrations for Pillars of Eternity.